0: Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host,
1: Lance Ecos. Hey, hey, what is happening, friends? So great to have you back here. About to get into a great episode here with my man, Dennis Yu, and Tanner Laycock, These guys are from Blitzmetrics and they're really changing the game when it comes to improving your business, helping you create content and videos that'll drive traffic, helping you become better. So entrepreneurs, anybody wanting to start a business or prove their business, whatever it is, you'll get some knowledge out of this. So I'm really excited to dive in. Both of them are really knowledgeable and you guys will get a lot of value. So really excited to get into that in just a second. We're going to dive into one of our reviews here. Let's see. We got Oilers1983, amazing guy with such awesome podcasts with great guests and lots of information to help you improve your life. It's a must listen. Thanks so much, Oilers1983. That's a great hockey team, by the way, and I'm pretty sure you're an Oilers fan also. So thank you so much. Every review means a lot to me and the show. Let us know what you think. Let us know what episode, what you liked about it who you want to see, all these kind of things. And hit that subscribe button so you can, you can stay on top of the episodes for Mondays and Wednesdays. Going to keep bringing the heat, everybody. Going to keep inspiring you the best way I can. So here we go. We'll get ready right into Dennis Yu and Tanner Laycock. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest is the CEO of Blitzmetrics, a digital marketing company which partners with schools to train young adults. He has spent over $1 billion on Facebook ads and has helped manage enterprise clients such as the Golden State Warriors, Nike, and Rosetta Stone. He has spoken in 17 countries, spanning five continents, and has been featured in publications such as The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, LA Times, National Public Radio, TechCrunch, Fox News, CBS Evening News, and is the co author of Facebook Nation, a textbook. Taught in over seven hundred colleges and universities. Now, I'm really excited to have him on. He's got a wealth of knowledge, and I'm also really excited to hear his story and maybe hear the side that we don't normally hear. So, really excited to have him on, Dennis. You welcome to the show, man. Pleasure, Lance. (laughs)
0: You know, when I hear people read all these things about me, I'm like, dang, I was on those shows. Some people say I have a (laughs) head. Yeah, that's awesome. whatever giant picture of me when they hear me, <laughs> you know tanner who's sitting next to me was actually with me in atlanta we flew into atlanta and we were on cnn live in front of three and a half million people talking about the latest facebook controversy and you know they've gotten in a lot of trouble recently yeah but you never hear the story behind the story you never hear you know really what's going on you never hear like the early days i remember zuckerberg be- before he was famous when he was just some kid in palo alto running mm-hmm. around and I think that's what's really interesting because you, when you compare who they were before and who they are now, you get a better understanding.
1: Absolutely. And that's the thing is everyone gets so focused on what's going on now. And obviously, that's important and significant. But I love to kind of realize that there is obviously some struggles along the way. There's obviously some things behind the scenes that we don't know. And I love that because there's so much growth that comes in that that allows that person to become successful in whatever they do. So. Yeah. yeah, like maybe take us back and maybe um, Tanner, introduce yourself as well, man. I'd love to hear, you know, where where you're from and about yourself as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So I dropped out of college after I tore my shoulder. I was a football athlete, got connected with Dennis Yu because we were doing digital marketing and we were taking that class, got connected with him and I started my adventure with him. And since then, I've become the director of personal branding here at Blitzmetrics. We work with a lot of high-profile clients, uh, and it's been one heck of a journey, for sure.
1: Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, welcome, man. I love having you on, too. More the merrier. Dennis, take us back, man. Tell us a bit about your story. Where, go back as far as you want, you feel that would be good at kind of describing how you got into this journey. Have you always been, you know, a techie guy, or were, what, what did you do growing up? How did you get How did you get here?
0: I was a shy kid who didn't speak English and I spoke Chinese until I was six. And so I went to school with all these other kids. They were making fun of me and I didn't know what they were saying. You ever been to another country where they're saying something, you know, they're talking about you, but you don't know what they're saying. Right. And because of that, I was put in back then. It was, I guess it's a bad word now, but it was called retarded. So I went, I was on the short bus. I was with the other kids that were retarded. And there was nothing I could say or do because I didn't speak English. And I remember Mrs. Gore, who was my first grade teacher, she would come up and pinch my cheeks and say, oh, you're so cute and so dumb. And I wanted to slap her because there's, and so these other people who didn't really know any better, they would talk louder at me as if somehow if I didn't know the words, I didn't know those words in English, if they talk louder, somehow I'd understand better. Yeah. And that moment, can you imagine what that feels like? You're just some kid you're being made fun of. It's basically like you're in another country, even though I was born in Dayton, Ohio, but I didn't speak any English because my parents wanted me to learn without having a broken accent. If they taught me, I would have a broken accent. I don't have an accent as you know, I don't have an accent in Chinese either. And I resolved at that time as a six year old to speak better English than other people who are Americans. And so I studied and I read and I represented California in the National Spelling Bee in 1988 in Washington, D.C. Wow. I was also number five in the nation in math counts. I traveled to math competitions. So I was a good Asian math guy and I kicked <laughs> the ass in English. And I decided I wanted to break that mold. And the more other people made fun of me, the more I said, I'm going to prove it to you guys, I'm going to be better than you guys. I'm going to speak English better and I'm still going to be a good Asian. I'm still going to beat you in math.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so at what point so let's actually let's go back let's say around that time. What was your vision as like tech? You know, what was what was happening there and was that something that you were interested in like getting into computers or did that just kind of fall on your lap?
0: Unless you're a real geek, I don't think anybody really cares about computers. It's not like I dream about computers and the latest parts and how fast the the chips are and, and, you know, all about the Pentiums. For me, I wanted to be a businessman, and I didn't know what that meant. I remember in third grade that you could buy lunch for $1.50. I know it's more expensive nowadays. And lunch was terrible. You had a choice of this horrible hamburger or you had this cheese pizza that was made of plastic basically it was a terrible lunch it was the school cafeteria and there was a snack shack that would sell things like they had like three things a snickers bar a twix and some other kind of candy right maybe it was like a what are those things called now and later or starburst or starbursts yeah. they had like the three yeah. things right there's not much selection it was overpriced and i thought you know i hate this lunch and i know these other kids hate this lunch too so how about this? I thought, this is the way I think. So I went down to Long's Drugs, which was a mile away from the school, and I loaded up my backpack, every kind of amazing candy, Twix and Now or Laters and Starburst and Reese's and Kit Kats and all that kind of stuff. And I was able to buy them on sale at maybe five for a dollar and turn around and sell them for the same price the Snack Shack was selling for. But of course, I had greater variety, so all the kids would come to me. And then the school had a problem where kids were taking their lunch money, the dollar fifty, to be able to buy lunch, and they were going to the snack shack instead, because they didn't want to eat that lunch. So the school thought they'd be clever and they said, okay, we're gonna give these the parents can buy lunch vouchers for $1.25. And then those lunch vouchers, those pieces of paper, can only be traded in for the lunch. So these kids can't buy candy. So I said, hey, if you give me that lunch voucher, I'll give you a dollar for it. And then you can use that dollar either at the Snapchat or you can use the dollar and buy candy from me. Right. So I was making hundreds of dollars as a kid who could barely speak English. And that's how I learned English is through doing commerce. And I learned how to scale things up. I learned how to keep record of how much money these kids would owe me. Cause these kids would say, oh, I already spent my allowance. I don't have any money. Can I pay you back on Tuesday? And so at first I'm like, yeah, sure. Pay me back on Tuesday. Next time you see me or just like pay me back. And most of these kids would never pay me back. So I had to learn how to use a spreadsheet. I was using Lotus 123 over, oh, it was 36 years ago. Before Windows, yeah. before Microsoft Office in Excel, before any of these things, before a, a GUI-based environment where there's a mouse and you click on things, before you were born, I was doing this. And so I learned computers because it was necessary to execute against a business goal. Fast forward a few years later, I was a paper boy for the Daily Breeze, living in Palos Verdes, right? And I had three paper routes. And I rode my bike around, and I threw the papers, and I thought, man, I really would like to make more money on tips. Because some people would tip every month. They'd give you like a dollar. Some people would tip you $5, and some people would tip nothing. I'm like, why are these people tip nothing, right? And how do I get some of these people to tip more? My mind kicks into gear and thinks, what can I do? Hmm, well... What if I deliver better service? What if I take their paper instead of having the plastic plastic bag and throwing it at their door, like landing on the lawn or like, what if I took their paper got off the bike, took their paper and put it square on their doormat, perfectly nice. So they can pick it up. They know that I took that. What would I get more tips? Do you think if you did that, do you like, you know, do you think yeah, you get yeah. more tips? Yeah, not really. Because people are going to tip the same amount. And the people that tip me nothing continue to tip me nothing. And the people that tipped me $5 kept tipping me $5 and then I realized it wasn't worth doing it, but that's how I figured things out. And that's the mentality I carried forward 20 or 30 of these experiments later. And here we are at Metrics, scaling things out based on trial and error, using data, using tools and technology that we build ourselves. We have our own engineering team building our own tools, not because we think it's a great idea, but because we're helping solve real problems that our people are facing. For example, there are reports that we crank out all the time manually. If you run an agency or business, you have to prepare reports for your client, how much money that you're spending, how many sales you have. When we see something to automate, we automate that. So it's the same path. it's not that I'm a technologist or I'm an engineer. I'm trying to solve problems. And I find that computers, if you talk to them appropriately, will do things that you want repetitively without complaining and repeatedly and reliably. That's how I view computers. When you create rules for computers, that's called code. When you create rules for people, it's called process. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter whether it's in Perl, JavaScript, PHP. doesn't matter. It's the same thing.
1: Yeah. How different is it now as, as far as, because you're obviously working with entrepreneurs back then as well, right? So what are the problems that entrepreneurs face now versus then? Are they generally the same sort of thing, or is it more tech-based, or is it more mindset? Like, what are some of the things that you deal with with these, these different entrepreneurs and people building businesses?
0: Well, Lance, you know, entrepreneurship is a lot easier now yeah. than it was before. Because before, twenty years ago, if you wanted to put up a website, all kinds of nonsense. You had to actually program. I'm God.
1: Hopeless man.
0: <laughs> now, everyone with an iPhone is a videographer. Everyone who's on Facebook is a social media expert. Everyone who gives advice is a life coach. (laughs) Everyone with a Blue Yeti or not is a podcaster, right? So now everyone's an entrepreneur. And I would say that 99% of them are wantrepreneurs. A wantrepreneur is a pretend because they don't have any money but they have these huge aspirations because they've bought the Tai Lopez social media marketing course because they've seen Gary Vaynerchuk talk about how it is to hustle because mm-hmm. someone else has gotten this podcast. Now they're starting their podcast. Yeah. Well, so it makes it a lot harder. I believe in some ways to serve entrepreneurs because there's so much more riffraff. There's so many more people trying to be entrepreneurs, which is good, but the expectations are also unrealistic. And maybe it's just me saying, Oh, back in my day, we used to, you know, it, but yeah. I really believe that's true. Well, it's there's no, an entrepreneur, yeah. but it's harder in some ways, too, because there's so many of them. And they're all trying to look like they're successful. They're all trying to, like, you know this, Lance.
1: Yeah.
0: Most podcasters, they have a list, and they're trying to check the box of all the people they want to have on their podcast. And once they're done, it's like throwing away toilet
1: paper. Yeah,
0: oh, I checked that box. Oh, how many people have you interviewed? How many reviews do you have on iTunes? Yeah. That's not why you do a podcast.
1: No, that's 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 the thing. And it has to be bigger purpose than that for sure. And yeah, I mean, you have to, it goes down to your why. Like, what are you trying to do? Like, what is your mission? What is your purpose in the situation? And for me, the podcast style, it ties into my personal story. And that's why for me, I love kind of diving into people's stories because I feel like there's things in there that you can pull out and really highlight that can help other people and I think there are people getting involved in things for the wrong reasons vanity reasons or doing things because trying to show off on social media whatever but yeah it definitely comes down to kind of deciphering through a lot of the noise and finding the ones that are actually doing it for like a purpose you know Mm -hmm. and I don't know it's it's a real strange time right now like it's a real like you said, there's so many people, businesses and opportunities being thrown at you. And what do you, what do you recognize as something that let's say, what is a downfall in some of these entrepreneurs then? I mean, is it just that they're, that they're not really serious or like, what is it they're lacking in skill that makes them a wantrepreneur versus being successful? Because there's a fine line in life being successful or not. Right. I mean, what do you see? Is is that issue?
2: I think one of the biggest issues, at least personally, is you see all the glamour, the Lamborghinis, and it's supposed to be easy. And now you have to decipher who's actually qualified to talk about what they're talking about, like the Ty Lopez's, Gary V's, yeah. And how fast you can actually get there. I know for me and a lot of entrepreneurs our age, we want to get to you know that status as soon as possible, so we skip the valuable steps in between point A, and point Z to get to where we want to go. So qualifying yourself to be able to do the things that you want to do, you really just have to follow the blueprint. There's no cheat code. There's no step that you can just skip all the other ones. You have to follow the path. And it might take you a little bit longer, but slow is smooth and smooth as fast. Amen.
1: So what do you notice at your age? Like how old are you right now? I'm 20. Okay. So what's going on with the 20 year olds? Like, I mean, even in school, like, is there, are you guys being taught or being at least guided in the direction to where you're going now? Or is it completely, because when I was in school, I'm 35. There wasn't like, I had no idea about anything. I was being told to go hammer nails and be a tradesman, which is fine. Right. But is there any sort of talk about, Hey man, you gotta, this is kind of the future. Cause for me, it was baby boomers are retiring go be an electrician or go be this because there's a demand. What about you guys? Is there some sort of conversation happening or is it completely, is everybody blind to the fact that what you're doing is very, very important as far as, you know, growing where the direction that we're going?
2: Right. I think the conversation's getting started as far as where can we actually help these young adults become entrepreneurs. But right now the biggest thing is that they can do is hire people like, um, Business coaches and things like that. Like, that's actually how I met Dennis. You is my school taught a course that Dennis teaches to several successful agencies. And it's actually the stuff that he does for top level uh, companies. But as far as like how it's changed, they're not really preparing us to do the things that we need to be able to do to have success in our career. Because as soon as we get out, it's already changed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially at the pace that advertising is moving, for example. You get out and some of the stuff that they taught you in college is already outdated by five years. So what can we do as 20, 21, 22 year olds to be able to be ready because all these companies want expertise right out of college. So the only thing that we can do is we can get connected with guys like this or whatever field you want to know. Maybe you want to be a lawyer. Maybe you want to be an accountant. You have to talk to people that are actually knowledgeable in that industry and connect with them. That way they can actually mentor you instead of college just teaching you a textbook that was written 10 years ago.
1: So how, do, okay, so how do people even understand that they need somebody like you guys in the first place? I mean, how does somebody, because you guys obviously work with these companies, but how does somebody know that that's what they need to help them grow and to help them achieve better results? Like, how, do they reach out to you guys or do you reach out to them? Like, how does somebody even figure it out on how to connect with you guys?
2: You know, that's right. When
1: you
0: have a great product or service, it travels by word of mouth. You don't have to go door to door. You don't have to try to convince people to join your program because if you have a great hamburger, then everyone else is going to say, this is where we got to go eat our hamburgers. And we've been very fortunate to be early in helping young adults build personal brands to be able to bridge. So we're not hating on the school system. No, no, That's no. not what you're saying. We're saying the problem is in the connection between the school system and the private sector. Because these yeah. aren't connected, it's disjoint. School is good. And jobs over here are good. But the private sector is not making sure that what we need to do in hiring people like us as an employer, there's skills that we need. Then instead of us complaining, saying, oh, these kids coming out, they're entitled millennials. They don't pay attention. They need awards, snowflakes. We need to make sure that what we want is put into the school system. And the school needs to adjust to say, hey, when you get a degree, it's not that here's a piece of paper, which is a receipt, basically. You don't care about the receipt. You you buy your thing, you throw away the receipt, unless it's like Walmart, you have to return it in 20 days or whatever it is. It's that schools need to make sure this diploma includes work experience, Mm. actual work experience taught by professors that aren't just making you buy the book, but are, are the people who have written the book are the people who are doing it today, not 10 years ago. Now, that's the problem. It's not a school system problem. It's not a private sector problem. It's the connection problem. So the way they find out about us is the young adults that we have working on these businesses, they're doing such good work that these businesses say, where did you get someone like Tanner? Where did you find someone so incredible? And we'll say, yes, Tanner's incredible. But you know, when you have someone who's smart and hardworking and you give them the training and the process and these other things, that's how you create people who are exceptional. You can take someone who's average, average talent, average knowledge, average work, average, like whatever, and put them through a training program and they can become almost world class. And that's the difference. And that's, how students tell other students. That's how clients of ours tell the professors, tell other businesses, tell the conferences. We speak at conferences or podcasters. You say, my goodness, when I was 20, I was nothing like Tanner. How do I get that kind of mindset? How do I, or maybe if they're older, they say, you know what? I've got a kid Tanner's age. How do I get my kid to have that mindset? And that's how things
1: spread. Yeah, the world's changing, and I admire you, man, for having that, because at 20 years old, like, I was not thinking about that. Man, I was playing junior hockey, just chasing around girls, and drinking, and just pissing it all away, and not really caring about anything, but at the same time, I had to go through that stuff, you know? I mean, it's, for me, that was, but now, I I love hearing that younger people are starting to, like, open up a bit, and be smarter with your choices, and It's changing. It's a different world now. It's different in sports too, how people, how coaching and how, like, I mean, for instance, I was just got off a call with one of my old guys that he's a, he's a professional hockey coach and how we used to be coached when we were young and how the game was to how it is now, you know, and things have changed just within 20, 25 years. Just the mentality of how you coach is different and how the game is played is different. And it's just like that in all aspects. And I just find it really interesting how the younger generation is waking up, you know? So what do you guys struggle with on a daily basis? Because I personally, I know Blitzmetrics is awesome. I've worked with it. You guys have done some amazing stuff. And I want to get into like the importance of 60 second videos and all of that stuff. And I really want to dive into that. But like, what are some of the things that as things change, what are the challenges that you guys face on a daily basis with your company And just like the, you know, the amount of the the speed that it's, it's going, what are some of the challenges you guys face on a daily basis with growth and everything?
0: So I'll first tell you what it's not. It's not the fact that technology changes often, which it does. Mm -hmm. It's not that we have competitors that are trying to be better than us. It's not that there's so much competition in, in Facebook ads and SEO and website building. It's not that the work is really difficult. It's not that we're overloaded with lots of things that are going on. It's not because we can't acquire customers. It's none of the things that most businesses struggle with. The thing that we struggle with is delivery. That means being able to get the job done. And I take execution and I break it into two components, reliability and competency. Reliability comes from accountability, getting people to show up on time. So that's things like base camp and morning check-ins, and making sure people reply to their emails, and using tools like Boomerang for Gmail, which is our favorite plugin, to make sure that people are replying to when clients send a message, you need to reply.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: It doesn't matter how sick you are, or your dog is not feeling good, or your girlfriend wants to go walk in the park, you need to reply to the client, right, within 24 hours. So all kinds of things to create reliability, especially when you have people that are virtual and they're not in an office. You know why the majority of employees are in an office in white-collar jobs? Is so they can be watched. Right. We don't watch people in office. We trust that you're going to get the work done. And if you get it done at midnight because you decided to go play hockey during the day, great. Just get your work done. Right? So reliability is number one. Number two is competency. Competency comes from training systems. It comes from process. It comes from the idea of learn, do teach, where you see other people execute that you read the book, you go through our course, you have a mentor that will hold your hand Once in a while, not just completely train you from scratch so that you never have to look at any of our training, right? Mentoring, not babysitting, right? Combination of reliability and competency is where we've struggled to turn a 20 year old into a world class digital marketer that we know is reliable and mature. I think half of that is mindset. So you need people like Tanner who come in with the right mindset. If that's true, then we can take care of the other half, provide the opportunity, provide the training provide the support, provide this, the things like payroll and HR and systems and all the things that are necessary to help these folks run their own mini business as mini CEOs. And it's, it's the problem of entrepreneurship, right? Entrepreneurship is hard for anyone who wants to admit that. How much harder is it, Lance or Tanner, for a 20-year-old to self-declare as a CEO? Really? You're a CEO now, huh? Wow. So what does that mean? And you have all the processes in the team and all the things that are necessary to be a CEO where you're managing other people who are managing other people who are managing other people. Or are you a one-person company and you're a CEO, right? We want to create real CEOs, yeah. real teams of people, like Tanner with a team of VAs, with his portfolio of clients that he has to manage and take care of. Now he's running his own business, right? We're just provide Blitz Metrics as a platform, not an agency. Is providing the support to allow all these folks to run their own businesses.
1: So can you get into exactly how these digital marketers can be good marketers and, and some of the stuff that you've taught us in the past? Because I've been I've here I've heard you speak and it's it's amazing and you guys are, man, it's awesome stuff. So I'd just love for you to elaborate on, you know, some of the digital marketing tools that you suggest and you know why they're effective.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The biggest thing, and you mentioned it earlier, is the 60-second 60, 60 videos. Yeah. Everything in business is moving that way, especially enterprise-level companies. Now, instead of people showing their personal brand as far as like the founders making one-minute videos, it's moving more towards showing the entire team. People want to be a part of that experience. And the biggest reason people go to digital marketing is to build relationships online. Yeah. So if we can do that, the biggest thing is just get over the fear of getting in front of a camera and do it as many times as possible until your content is really, really good. And that's the biggest asset that you can use in your business. And anybody, even like junior level, 20 year olds, they can get started uh, making content every single day. they we'll, will progress until get better.
1: So what makes a good video?
2: you got to have a good hook. you got to have a good hook. you got to have a story. People don't really care who you are or what you've done. You have to entice them, right? So when you're telling a story, especially like a wide video, the biggest thing is you have three seconds to get them hooked on who you are and what you're talking about because otherwise they're not going to hear the, the meat of what you're, what you're explaining. Next thing is you have to have a reason to be talking. So a lot of the things that we talk about is lessons that I've learned from Dennis or Ed Milet or Jim Bunch, some of these really, really high-level entrepreneurs. People will value that nugget right? It's the same thing. You're pulling away nuggets from this clip. So we find the nuggets in those conversations and then we broadcast them to our audiences.
1: Why is 60 seconds important? And why? Because I remember two years ago, there was so many longer versions of videos. And I remember what got me is, you know, the story video that was like seven minutes long. And then, you know, through the last two years, it switched to all of a sudden 60 seconds. You know, why is that? Why is that important?
2: Do you know what the average watch time on Facebook is for a video? No. Six seconds. So people have a very short attention span. So we got to deliver a precise message within those 60 seconds. And one of the other reasons is, is we want to break it down into little nuggets, right? We want to have all these different topics that we can speak about. And if we can do that in 60 seconds, we can make one topic, say entrepreneurship, broken down into several, several pieces of content. And that just creates an everlasting, evergreen content machine that you can build your audience, your personal brand and is your company's brand as well.
1: What do you guys see as far as like video content coming up in the next five years? Do you see that being the way to do it? Are you guys already working on different things? Is it going to be the 60 seconds or is it going to be, do you think it's going to go shorter or is it going to go back to longer or, you know, is anybody playing around with kind of like what the next thing is going to be?
2: I think, It also depends on the platform because, you know, on YouTube, you're sitting there to watch. You're watching uh, podcasts, things like that. Facebook actually has been killing it with 10-second videos. People, when they pick up their phone, usually they're on their phone, right? So they're picking it up. They're going through their Facebook timeline. And it's moving more towards shorter videos that you don't even have to have the audio for it. You just have the captions for it, and they they value that content. So it's going to get shorter. People aren't usually going to be playing music or their audio through their phone. And so content has to be geared towards that audience.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's important to make sure it's platform specific? Like don't just blast the same style video on everything like some people do because you can tell they didn't put the effort in and it's just like it doesn't look right. Is that super important as well as something like LinkedIn? You have to have a different style for that. Yeah.
2: And I think Dennis would be the best person to be able to explain that. But absolutely.
0: Yeah. Regardless of the platform, you're connecting with humans. Yeah. Yeah. We think of social media first as an amplifier of relationships. So almost 20 years ago, me and a couple of friends, we built the dating site for Yahoo, (laughs) Yahoo Personals,
1: right? It's amazing.
0: (laughs) We took it for nothing from a brand new site to $85 million a year, of which most of it was profit, right? Because it's a dating site, right? The cost of a few engineers, nothing relative to (laughs) 85 million. And what we found being on the inside running a dating site is that there were literally millions of people that were coming online, And they didn't have success in the real world. So if you're a doofus, Lance, in the real world, do you think going online, you're not a doofus? (laughs) You're still a doofus, Yeah. right? So if you don't know how to connect, if you don't know how to tell a story, if you don't genuinely have a mission that is authentic, like Tanner wants to be able to help the military community and veterans and military spouses and other folks that like entrepreneurs in the military space succeed. That is demonstrated because of his network because of the experiences where he's actually been able to spend time with these key figureheads. And it could be like an Ed Milet or a Jim Bunch where he spent time with these people, not just because he's read their book or listened to their podcast. He knows them, Mm -hmm. right? And they've given advice and they care and he cares. Now, if that's true, that's a big if, because it's got a big asterisk next to it. If that is true, then the rest of it is just tactical. Like we could take this video here, which is recorded in zoom and a different format and then we can chop it up so that it will live in the right way on Facebook and yeah. LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and on the webpage where you have your show notes on what you learned, Lance, from this particular podcast episode. Yeah. It's not the formatting. It's yeah. that the, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shiitake, right? Yeah. It has to be good. That mission and vision, the stories have to be good. Then it's a matter of formatting. Then it's the VAs. It's like your service where you can take their podcast and you can chop it up into different things to live on different channels. Yeah. It's not the chopping up that's critical. So if they, if you yeah. put so let's say they hire you for your podcasting services because it's a pain in the ass, right?
1: Yeah. And then
0: they complain saying, "Well, my rankings aren't going up. I'm not getting more five star reviews. I'm going to blame you, Lance."
1: Yeah. Um. No, I think it's because your content sucks, bro. Exactly. Yeah, and a lot of people rely too much on on all that stuff instead of just worrying about the content and the consistency, and. That's got to be the most important thing is that you're showing up on a consistent basis with good content, right? I mean, because if you're not showing up consistently, people don't believe in you. People think you're full of shit. Yeah. You, know, you show up for one day and then they don't show up for another day. It's like how do you build that relationship? Do you guys see that quite a bit? A lot like what what do you see as the key factors? Is it consistency and if somebody's consistent and the quality isn't that great, is that better or is it better to have less Consistency and better quality.
0: That's not the way to think about it. The way to increase your quality is through lots of practice. Right. And that means showing up. Yeah. You want to get six pack abs? I'm fat right now. I'm, <laughs> a, I'm not going to claim my big bones or a slow metabolism. I'm fat because food is delicious, right? Now, I'm going to lose weight because on October 2nd, I'm speaking in Bangkok at a conference in front of a bunch of CEOs in the fitness industry. Okay. Now, <laughs> I have to show up every day, and Tanda's gonna keep me accountable, meaning I gotta get my ass up early in the morning, it means I gotta to go to bed on time, right? And let's say I have one really good workout. Like today, we were at Lifetime Fitness doing this crazy workout, right? And then I'm like, you know what? That was a really high quality workout. I'm never gonna to need to do another workout again. That's ridiculous. But at the same time, I'm not going to just put in garbage and say, oh yeah, if I just do like one push up a day, I'm, I'm showing up, you know, I'm putting, no, that doesn't count. You need quality and you need quantity. But the way you do that is you have to be willing to suck repeatedly. You have to be willing to do things that are embarrassing, like make one minute videos, and your first fifty of them will suck. You keep practicing and you push through that, and that's how you get to quality. It is through quantity that you reach quality.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I love it. Yeah, and I love this because lots of people are listening and they want to do videos and and all that kind of stuff. So like, what is, as far as the technical side of video, is it better? Because I'm seeing different things. I'm seeing some with like the letter boxes and the, the subtitles and all this stuff. But then I'm also seeing going back to the old version where there's none of that. What is the most effective? What do people like? What's the best way?
0: Except for the people that are pros and have a huge audience and have teams and are making money selling courses and all that. For the other 99.9%, this is what you need. You make one-minute videos with this phone. You can run it through Apple Clips if you want for the automatic transcription or auto.ai or some of the tools Facebook has at Facebook Mobile Data Studio, which is – there's 10 apps there. But literally, you record that video, and you post it just like it is. You don't have to go through 10 hours of editing and all that stuff. You just post it. And videos like that that we've made kill it compared to the $50,000 professional cinematography kind of stuff, all edited. Why? Because those ones that are edited look like commercials. And yeah. do, do you like to click on ads? Do you enjoy ads, Lance? No, I don't. Because
1: so, no. I know how they work now. <laughs> I've made yeah. them and I, I see right past them. I'm like, man, this one pisses me off. <laughs> but some of them are good. Some of them are like, wow, I like this. But yeah. yeah, and it's crazy because we're changing. A year ago, how I looked at an ad was different than how how I do now. So yeah, it's, um, it's an ever-changing world. And I don't know, I found those 60-second videos have been super powerful. And to be able to put those out and be able to do it so easily as well with a phone is, a lot of people are underestimating the power that they have with their phone. And how important are doing, like, lives? Do you find those important at growing your brand? Doing, like, Facebook Lives and Instagram Lives? If you have an audience. Yeah.
0: You know, lives is just a great way to force yourself to make a video. If you can't get yourself to do it, then just go live. Otherwise you end up rehearsing and rehearsing and not posting something. I see a lot of people, I'll say, Hey dude, where's your one minute video? Oh, I've been you know, I've been practicing just okay, fine, then go live. And then that then at least you're out there, right? And you'll suck, but at least people know it's live so they they
2: don't judge you as hard, right? It's a great way to get a lot of content.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh go lives are funny, man. I remember the first I watched some of the first ones I did and it's just like brutal but i mean that's just that people want to see you suck a little bit like it's kind of like oh ah i feel i feel for that that guy or that girl like they're human it's like it's um yeah i don't know where are you what are your plans you guys for the next for the next little while what are you ramping up what projects were you speaking what do you what do you got coming up here
2: one of the biggest things that we're doing is we're working to help veterans one yeah. of the biggest things for veterans when they leave the military is that transition from you know holding a rifle to working on an Excel spreadsheet. So yeah. what we're doing is we're actually going to help veterans find courses to be able to either work for a digital marketing agency or become an entrepreneur and own their own agency themselves. And a lot of that is going to be through securing funding for them to use their GI Bill money to buy one of our courses or some of the other courses from other entrepreneurs that we team with.
1: Awesome. How can they find out about that? Let's get it plugged in. You got a link we can send them?
2: Yeah, you can go to American Dream University. Yeah, uh, Our friend, Phil Randeza, he's the owner there. Go check out everything that they have. We have a lot of success stories, especially with some of the videos that we got coming out pretty soon.
1: That's awesome, man. It's great. What about you, Dennis? Where can everybody find you guys? Where's the best place?
0: Find me on LinkedIn. Do not friend request me on Facebook. I've been at the 5,000 friend limit for like eight years. Don't ask me for a blue check. Don't ask me to get your ad account back if you got banned. But you can connect with me on
1: LinkedIn. How do you get a blue check mark, though?
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> not just, just joking. To, the real answer is you have to be called Notable. Right? Yeah. And notable means that you are, are someone that there are other people that are trying to spoof you. Yeah. Or and or you are in the news a lot. So Tan and I, we were on CNN. We were hanging out there. So that if you're on CNN, the Wall Street Journal, they have a feature article about you. Not that they quoted you but there's an article about you and they have a little picture that little, that like cartoon graphic illustration picture. That's a good way to get it. If you have a Wikipedia page, I got my blue check Mark on Twitter 10 years ago. Well, and then I got my Facebook check Mark, right? So if you have all these other components, if you are notable and you have significant entries to prove that you're someone who's worth getting a blue check Mark, then yes. And usually the media team will reach out to you and ask you, would you like to be verified? And then they'll ask you, would you like to have it on your profile or your public figure page, right. which is a business page versus like us as users on yeah. Facebook. And you can choose one or the other. I chose my user profile, but most people are choosing their public figure page because then you can run ads and you know that kind of thing. You can't have it on both. But if you have to ask how do you get a blue check mark, <laughs> you
1: probably aren't ready, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't even, yeah. I don't know. Don't even notice that stuff anymore, you know? I mean, it's, I don't know. But uh, if you guys, I got one more question for you, and I, I want to ask both of you separately. Tanner, if you could give advice, one thing for your generation, the younger people or older people, the veterans or whatever, to help them get through adversity, through whatever it is they are, struggle, through business, through deciding what they want to do, what would that tip be?
2: So you know the old saying, hard work be silent when talent doesn't work hard? Great That's change. true, but you have to have consistent effort with consistent knowledge base. And you have to take the path of taking everything that you have in front of you, of everything you need to learn, and just be willing to take that process to the full extent. Otherwise, you're going to miss crucial steps and you're going to fail. You're going to trip over yourself. So if you just follow the process, you're going to get there eventually.
1: Awesome. What about you, Dennis?
2: I would just echo what Tanner said and believe in the process.
0: And on top of that, get a mentor yeah. because all of us go up and down. It doesn't matter how hard you pretend trying to pretend like everything's amazing all the time. Look, we all go up and down. That is how it is. And sometimes when you're down, you're not strong enough by yourself, no matter how hard you hustle and you need other people to be on your team, to be in your court, to encourage you, to give you advice, to help you see something that maybe you didn't see at the time because you're stuck in this hole somewhere. And mentorship is something I think a lot of young adults don't understand. It's been the key to everything I've ever gotten because other people have opened doors for me where they're so successful. There's nothing I could have done for them, yet they still believe in giving back. And we need to encourage more
2: people to be like that. Just surround yourself with other people that share the same goals as you. That's the easiest way never to get... I mean, you're going to get down, but you're not going to stay down if you're always working with people that are striving for what they want in life.
1: Yeah, you got to... Just like you want to set the bar high, you got to set the bar high for people in your life too, people that challenge you. So yeah, I completely agree. Getting a mentor or coach, I mean, sometimes we need a hand, you know, life can be tough. (laughs) Sometimes it's a grind, you know, it's good to have somebody that's got your back and can push you. So yeah, I totally agree. Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate you coming on. Lots of value. You guys are doing amazing things and continuing to help grow the entrepreneurial community, help people grow their businesses. So I really appreciate you stopping by and hanging out and dropping some value. Awesome, Thank man. Awesome. So Make sure you check these guys out. All the information's in the show notes, guys. Appreciate you all. Have an amazing day. Hope you guys got value from that. Hope you had your pens and notepads ready. If not, go back, listen to it again. Check out Dennis, U. check out Tanner Laycock. They're good, good dudes doing some amazing stuff. They're traveling all over the world, helping people improve their businesses as entrepreneurs, as marketers. So, make sure you check them out. Appreciate all you guys hit that subscribe button, leave us a review and we'll catch you next time.
0: You just finished another class at the university of adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.